It's time to unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. Kangan.edu.au. RTO 3077. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Hello and welcome to Dwayne's World. Dwayne's World for Kangan Institute. Unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. And the open line is open for Warwick here at 1-300-736-736. That's the number for Mindab Mandis. If you'd like to join me, anything in the world of sport you'd like to discuss, one 736 The open line brought to us by Warwick here. Warwick here awarded National Care Car Dealer of the Year. Warwick here makes buying cars easy. You call, you get on. That's the Midday Mandis promise, and we'll get your calls on for the next two hours. So jump on the line right now, and we'll get you on straight away. You can send through your texts as well. 0433981116. That text machine, I'll read a heap of your texts out. For the all new Temper Pro, Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. T E M P U R, Temper, mattresses like no other. Got a heap of stuff to give away. Uh, gift cards, thanks to the House of Golf. Bottles of Starwood whiskey as well, award winning whiskey, Starwood to New Horizons. So you call, you get on, your course for the next couple of hours, and then. AFL Academy coach Tarkin Lockyer is going to join us, so we'll have a chat to Tarkin. We'll cross to Bathurst later on as well, but Tarkin Lockyer to join us to tell us, well, how good is Harley Reid? And does he think that Harley Reid is the standout number one pick in the coming draft? He's looking after all of these AFL Academy players who are heading into the draft combine across the next three days. So it's big for the early draft picks, but it's even bigger for the later draft picks. Those guys that are going to be picked up in the 30s and 40s and those guys that might not get picked up, but if they have a big draft combine, could get picked up. So it's a huge couple of days coming up for those kids. We'll talk to Tark and Lockyer a little bit later on. But your calls on a heap of stuff, including, I know there's been a lot of calls so far on Aaron Norton. I'm actually a bit of a supporter of the eight-year extension. I know there's been a few against it, but I'm for it. He's extended eight years to the end of 2032, if you're unaware. He's now the longest contracted player in the AFL. The deal is actually a nine-year deal right now because he was already contracted for 2024. So he's already contracted for next year. So crazy or not, your thoughts on that? Simple question, 1-300-736-736, I don't think it's crazy. I think it's very good business. Biggest deal since Lance Franklin, yes. And he's not Lance Franklin, yes. The nine more years, he's about to turn 24, so it'll take him to 33 years of age at the end of the deal. But again, as I mentioned with Sammy Eben, the key we need to remember here, it's not that this is telling us that Aaron Norton is the best player in the comp. It's not top 10 player in the comp money that he's going to be getting each year. It's, it's the fact that it's the longest deal in the AFL, but it's money that I think is fair for a player of Norton's ability. Even though the length of deal is extreme, you, you, there's, a, there's 100 players, I reckon, in the AFL right now who might never win a Brownlow, We'll never be in the top 10 maybe in the AFL in the Brownlow medal voting at the end of the year or even top 10 in people's reckoning when it comes to their top 10s of their preference. But players I'd still give an eight-year deal to because you need good players on your list. It's not just the superstars that need long-term deals because they're about to get poached by other teams. And that is the key here. We saw the press release, uh, I think a press release, or at least... uh, a, a written story in the Herald Sun about the Bulldogs telling us that there were offers of 10-year deals to Aaron Norton on big money. That's why they had to jump. Tassie's coming in. So with Tassie coming in and Aaron Norton a free agent next year, this, it, you had to jump, I think, if you're the Western Bulldogs. But that's just my opinion. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number if you'd like to join us. I, I, 
I like it. The other thing is, it, to me, it's not about the length of deal. It's the percentage they take in the salary cap. And that's the big issue. How much are you paying the player? That is the issue. And if you're not paying the player the ridiculous amount to say that you're paying him as the number one player in the comp, then you're simply paying him what he's worth. So I think Aaron Norton's going to get what he's worth. I'd be more than happy to, to give eight-year deals to other good players who might not win Brownlow's like. I'd give an eight-year deal to Josh Dacos. As, as good as Nick Dacos is going to be, a superstar, I'd still be happy to give Josh an eight-year deal. He's going to be a really, really good player for Collingwood for a long, long time. I'd lock him in, stop him from going. These are the guys that I would give long-term deals to. Connor Iden for GWS. I mean, he looks like being a really good backman for a long, long period of time. He's not Sam Taylor greatness as a backman right now, but he, he might be. And Josh Dacos might end up winning a Brownlow as well one day, but you've still got to lock these guys in. That's the bottom line when it comes to list management to me. So a few of your calls on that, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you've got a thought on it. I'll also play what Craig Kelly said on Monday because Craig Kelly kind of summed it up from Collingwood. It's going to be harder to target recruit players. So keeping your own players is something you've got to make sure you do. It's not just about getting players from other clubs. You've got to make sure that other clubs don't poach your players because if other clubs start poaching your players, you're going to be in big, big strife. And there's a couple on the text saying Dacos would never be traded. No, but there might be other clubs who try and get him because that's the bottom line. So a few of your thoughts on that. Here is what Craig Kelly had to say Monday. The reality is, Bucks, um, for us now in Victoria, the, the clubs in Victoria, with what's happened with North, um, with that, that, that extra couple of picks, and then also what's going to come at us with Tassie plus the academies on that uh, up in Sydney and, and Gold Coast and Queensland, we're up against it, mate. So, you yeah. know, trying to pick the youth, it's going to have to be more of a strategy, a bit like, you know, I think what Geelong's looked at as well, is we've got to be able to do this and still go to the draft with the right players. It'll get the right players, but then we're going to have to have the ability to go and just get someone to come in for a couple of years, and it might only be two years. You're- so would you rather pay Aaron Norton to keep him that kind of money or are you one of those clubs who are going to have to pay overs to go and get a Ben Mackay? I mean, that's the issue there as well. If you need a player, are you going to have to pay the seven fifty kind of money to get Ben Mackay? Is Ben Mackay worth Stephen May, Jake Lever, Jacob Wittering, Jeremy? Is he up in that range of player, Ben Mackay, right now? Because he's getting that kind of player's kind of money. I mean, I would lock a Callum Wilkie in for a long-term deal. I'd lock Connor Iden in for a long-term deal. These are the guys that... And is Ben Mackay any better than Noah Bolter? Is he better than Connor Iden? Is he better than Dan Houston? So to go and get a player for another club, you have to pay him overs. So your thoughts on all of that. We'll take a few of your tech texts coming through. 0433981116. Obviously, we'll talk about Clayton Oliver a little bit later on. And Travis Bokes decided to stay on. He had a chat on SEN earlier today. On behalf of our football club, and in particular, Sam Power and the list management and recruiting team, it's my absolute pleasure to announce that earlier today, Aaron Norton committed to an eight-year extension. Incredibly exciting, and um, as the graphics around the room show, uh, Norts will be a bulldog for life, committing to at least the end of 2032. I think most pleasingly uh, for us as a club, it's obviously an exciting announcement, but um, Aaron's commitment to the club is reflective of 
the environment we have and, and his absolute confidence in where this club's headed, particularly given some of the uh, eye-watering numbers and 10-plus year deals that he was being offered by other clubs. So uh, congratulations, Aaron. Amit Baines announcing the eight-year deal for Aaron Norton last night at the Bulldogs' best and fairest to Charlie Sutton medal night last night. Offered 10-year deals and bigger money elsewhere. They've retained a guy who was a free agent next year and could have gone at the end of next year. They've retained a guy who I think they've retained correctly and haven't given him number one player in the comp money. They're giving him the right, I think, percentage of their salary cap, and it's about the percentage of the salary cap, not the length of the deal. Tassie's coming in. It's harder to get players these days than ever. Tassie's coming in, so they're going to grab players in three or four years' time and pay extraordinary amounts of money to get them in. And when you consider to poach a player from another team, like a Ben Mackay, it costs you 750 thousand a year and a long-term deal. I'd be much rather keeping the guys that I've got that I know of and you know their medical history, etc. And you know their demeanour as well as people. To your calls, though, one 736 is the open line number. Uh, Tim in Brighton, you want to talk something completely different, though, other than Aaron Norton, and you've been on hold since the outset. Uh, slight glitch with the phones, but the, all the phones lines are up and running now. Welcome to you, Tim. Thank you, Dwayne. Just quickly on Aaron Norton, I, I agree with, with both sides of the coin, um, but it would be interesting whether or not uh, there is any additional pressure because of the, the, the nature of it being such a long-term, you know, contract and whether or not he feels, you know, pressure during during that time because it's so, such a long period. Well, you do own him now, Tim. If you want to trade him, he's yours to trade, whereas next year he was coming out of contract as a free agent, Tim. So you would have only got the draft compensation the AFL gave you if he came out of contract at the end of next year. So they would have given you a draft pick somewhere in the first round. That's all the AFL, as opposed to if you want to trade him at the end of next year, then you might get two first-round picks for him. You might even get more if he has a good year, Tim. So you do own him now as well. No, that's a good point. Just moving on to another another point. We were playing a bit of a game last night in the family as to the AFL letter uh, next year and who would be in the top eight. And... And I understand that there's, you know, there's, there's changes to be made with players and so on and so forth. But based on the here and now, we, we think that uh, the, the top eight really isn't going to change that dramatically. And the only one that we think that possibly go in is the Adelaide Crows. What do you think? And how often or has it ever happened that the top eight has gone back to back, you know, from year to year? Um, well, back to back's really tough. Just to answer your question, uh, and I don't, I want to discourage gambling. Uh, don't, don't uh, be careful what you're gambling with. Um, the bookmakers have put their markets out for next year, and the bookies do a lot of research on this. So let me give you the order that the bookmakers have it in next year. And you can tell me if you're out there. Um, you can give us a call one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Which ones are the bookies got wrong? So this is the order that the bookies have them in betting wise. I won't worry about giving you the odds. Um, Collingwood, Brisbane. Melbourne, Carlton, so that's their top four. Collingwood, Brisbane, Melbourne, Carlton in order. Giants, fifth. Port, sixth. And then Adelaide, Geelong and Sydney to make the eight. And then outside the eight, Bulldogs, tenth. St Kilda, eleventh. Fremantle on the Gold Coast, twelfth and thirteenth. They've got Essendon finishing fourteenth next year and Richmond finishing fifteenth. So what about that, Essendon and Richmond fans? The bookies reckon you're going to finish that low next year. And then Hawthorne, 
North Melbourne and the West Coast. You can virtually write your own ticket about North Melbourne and the West Coast. So there you go, Tim. If that answers your question, who do I think is going to be in the top eight? I haven't thought about it. But that's what those that are in the business of working it out think the top eight's going to be. Collingwood, Brisbane, Melbourne, Carlton, Giants, Port, Adelaide jumping in, Geelong jumping in, and and uh, St Kilda jumping out, according to them, um, because they've got the Saints at bigger odds than those ahead of them. Great to have you call. Appreciate you jumping on and uh, interesting question. Joe in Roeville wants to talk Ray Chamberlain. Welcome to you, Joe. Hey, uh, Dwayne, how are you? Good. Firstly, with the bookies, now that you're talking about it, if they don't have Hawthorne in there, I'm not interested. But anyway, that's well, not the reason why it is. They've got Hawthorne finishing third last. Yeah, well, they can keep it. I don't agree. Right. I reckon Hawthorne right. are better than that, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway, the main reason why I rang, Ray loves a Ray. was told he can't uh, umpire in the finals because he can't bounce the ball. How good was the first bounce in the grand final, Dwayne? Did you see that one? I did, Joe, and that's the death of the bounce, isn't it? Oh, it is, yeah, but, I mean, he was told he's no good to bounce the ball, so what's what's the difference? Why couldn't the umpire in the finals, uh, Dwayne? I'm with you 100%, Joe. You've got to get your best decision makers. If that kind of stuff continues to happen, oh, if you can't bounce the ball, you can't umpire, then how many really smart thinkers are we going to stop from actually ever umpiring again? Imagine if you're a 16, 17-year-old whiz-bang kid who is the best decision maker of any 16 or 17-year-old out there, but you can't bounce. Right now you're saying, well, I'll never umpire a grand final ever. I will never umpire a grand final because I can't bounce, so what's the point of being an umpire? If you're 16 or 17 now, you might be a genius as a kid. You might be the smartest kid in the world, and you want to be an umpire. But are you going to be an umpire now? Because you can't umpire in the grand final if you can't bounce. No. Go and find yourself something else to do. It's crazy stuff, Joe, and I'm with you on that. Uh, Brett and Murrumbeen, are you there, Brett? Yeah, good day, Dwayne. How are you? Good. Mate, uh, I just wanted to talk about, uh, obviously, now they're discussing mid-season draft coming in uh, with a new EB, and at the moment we've got uh, the finals. What's, uh, what's your thoughts and also the, the, the people's thoughts out there in a player loan system? So the teams in the top eight can only have one pick to pick any player outside the top eight. For instance, Melbourne this year, and... They could have uh, done with an extra forward, like someone like, let's just say, a Jamara. What would they be willing to pay for that play, that club for that player? As a loan? As a loan. So, for instance, if they turned around, they went to Footscray and said, hey, we'll pay you 800000 for the final series for Jamara. And then uh, what would, what would uh, you think about that? Brett, I actually hate it. But I appreciate your call. You know, everyone's got a thought in this business. I appreciate your thought on it. I hate that idea of entering the finals and going to be able to loan a player from somewhere else. Uh, you can go and loan three or four, win yourself a flag with players who didn't play all home and away season. So, Brett, I appreciate your call, but I'll give it a big no if you don't mind. Um, and I hope that never, ever, ever comes in. Uh, but I do like the mid-season trade period. If we're going to bring that in, I'm okay with it, but... Not alone for the finals. Uh, Nick on the road, you there, Nick? Okay, Dwayne, how are you doing? Good. Dwayne, I need your expert opinion or <laughs> uh, knowledge. I should say knowledge. Um, first quarter of the grand final, Cox had the ball. I can't remember if it was from a mark or a free kick. But when he went to kick it, the Brisbane player ran in from the side, took it off even. I think he even snapped the goal. Is that not <clears throat> protective space? How does that work? 
Well, Isaac Quainer took that man into that space, Nick. So Isaac Quainer made the mistake of taking him in. You're allowed to be within three metres of your player, which means you're allowed to be three metres inside Isaac Quainer in that moment. So you're allowed to run. If Isaac Quainer is six metres from Mason Cox, you're allowed to be three metres from Mason Cox yourself, in essence, because you only have to be within three metres of Isaac Quainer before a free kick's going to be paid. So if then, if then the umpire sees Mason Cox play on and you see him play on, you're allowed to take the chance that he's playing on, the umpire's about to call it, and you can smother the ball on his boot. So to me, that was Isaac Quainer making a bad call there, taking the man within the protected area and, and having Mason Cox's play on as being vulnerable. That's the way I read it, Nick. Righto. Um, can I ask you one more? Yeah. Markov, when he was on the wing, he was asked to stand. Yep. He took two or three steps backwards and got King 50. Yep. How, I, I don't get that either. That was a bad decision by the umpire, Nick. That was 100% a bad decision in my mind too. Markov was backing back. Uh, almost begging the umpire to tell him where the point of stand was. And that's all he was asking. I think he backed back correctly, Markov. And I think the umpire was too trigger happy on it. Nick, is is that the way you read it? Yeah. Yeah, no, I did. I was just... Both things, was, I was just scratching my head. I mean, obviously, you know a lot more, but... Um, well, I, I just couldn't get my head around it. And I thought, how, how are these free kicks? And how is the Cox one? The Cox one, I thought, you know... You said Cox went to play on. Yeah. To me, playing on means he's going. You know, he starts to run, or he runs off the arc, or runs off the you know the arc or whatever. Yeah. Buddy used to. He yeah. Well, no, but Nick, on that, the the because of the stand rule, the umpires are asked to call play on quicker. Otherwise, you've got a bloke standing like a statue, looking like you know it's just silly. So as soon as the guy does motion left or right, they are called to play on, even if you're faking the guy out. You, you can get called to play on these days. So it's a quick play on call, and that's why that was such a quick... In the old days, you did have to take a step or two before the umpire called play on. Now, it's as soon as you push your, push your leg to one side. So, yeah, that's the way, Nick, that one was. And, and we can argue about whether it's right or wrong. That's fair. Everyone's got their own opinion. I mean, I, everyone watches as much footy as I do, almost. So or, the only advantage I have is that I get the umpires briefing and the video briefing at the start of every footy season. The umpires come in, the umpires boss comes in, they give us an hour or two on the big screen, go through a lot of the the decisions and say, here's what the decision is here, here's what the decision is there. Now, if they change it during the year, then then they change it during the year, like they did with the head high with Ginevan. They decided to change the interpretation mid-year on what they told us pre-season. And if they order their interpretation mid-year, then that's their right, but... It does stuff the rest of us up. Who got the mid Who got the preseason briefing, and we get to mid-season and it's changed. But that is the explanation of protected area that we got. Appreciate your call, uh, Nick. Great to have you on the line. Uh, Billy and Ascot Vale wants to talk. To Nick Dacos. Welcome to you, Billy. Great to have you on. Yeah, hi, Dwayne. Yeah, just quickly, did you see that interview with Nick Dacos with the uh, plastic bag falling in his hand? I did. Yeah, was that a sign to say that the premiership's in the bag? Nice one, Billy. Uh, I'm not sure it was, but I don't mind the segue. Lou and Bundura, you there, Lou? Great to have you on. Dueno, how are we again, mate? Good. What do you got? I'm gonna. I'm, I've got a little theory happening in my in my Collingwood brain. 
Yeah. You want to hear it? Fire away, Lou. So, so Steelo and Pendles probably coming up to their last year next year. Yep. That releases some salary cap. There's a certain bulldog that's out of contract at the end of next year that's good mates with Nick and Josh Dacos. Bailey Smith. Right, Welcome yep. Welcome to the Pies 2026. Well, he's out of contract at the end of this next year, and that's what the signing of Aaron Norton has stopped. Speculation as to whether he's gettable during next year. And that's what's going to happen now. My understanding is that the Bulldogs are close to signing Jamara Eagle Hagen on a long-term deal. Bailey Smith is the other one that's out of contract at the end of next year for the Dogs. So they've got to work out who they're going to sign long-term. Obviously, Aaron Norton was a priority. Uh, if Bailey Smith doesn't sign, you know, we will get to halfway through next year and we'll have the whole speculation thing go around. But that's the nature of the beast. That's the nature of the world we're in right now. Crackers in Warrigal. Welcome to you, Crackers. Yeah, good day, Dwayne. How are you? Good. Yeah, I just want a, a good omen if Brody Brundy goes to the the, uh, the Sydney Swans. Good omen for the for him to win a Brownlow, because two Ruckman have gone across to other club from other clubs. Teasdale from Richmond to the Swans, and Barry Round from Bulldogs to the Swans, and both Ruckman and they both won Brownlow medals. You go back a bit though, Crackers. Back in the day when guys like Len Thompson, Rux could actually win a Brownlow. I'm not. I know I'm going back, but I tell you what, he, if he takes a few marks during the year, I reckon get on him. Maybe not next year, but he, I mean, he's going to be with the Swans for a while. I would imagine. Good to have you call, Crackers. Uh, we'll see how that one transpires. Though tomorrow the deals will start dropping. The due day deal to the Lions, etc. They're all going to start dropping tomorrow. Uh, and given I mentioned odds earlier, imagine what you could be buying instead for free and confidential support. Visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. But if, if there is one you reckon those that do the odds have got wrong, um, then tell me. one 736 The order, according to those guys and girls, Collingwood, Brisbane, Melbourne, Carlton, the Giants, Port, Adelaide and Geelong and Sydney will be making up the eight. And outside the eight, 10th, the Dogs, 11th, St Kilda, 12th, Fremantle, 13th, the Gold Coast, Essendon and Richmond, 14th and 15th in their line. And then Hawthorne, North Melbourne and the West Coast Eagles. That's probably why Essendon are trying to get as many good players in right now as possible because according to that, they're way outside the premiership window. Drop out your calls. Baz and Coburg, you want to talk Carlton? Welcome to you, Baz. Afternoon, Pipe. Um, yeah, just wanted to talk about Carlton. Um, I heard that they're speaking, or they're going to—they're probably getting a Crozier from the Dogs, and I think um, Elijah Hollands. What do you think of uh, those two coming across? Yeah, Elijah Hollands is only young, um, so I'm not sure—you know—what what kind of career he's going to have. But he looks like he's going to be damn good, Bass. And um, Crozier. Well, he's getting on a bit now, so I'm not sure what he what he he's going to add. Yeah, I just think um, I think we're going to probably get a good backman. I reckon we're in need of a probably a key, a key backman. I think uh, we'll have a probably get, take the next step next year. Yeah, I think Elijah Holland's because he's only young. Uh, we don't really know what he's going to end up being. Twenty-one odd years of age, but um, yeah. I'd get, I'd take a punt. I mean, these recruiters, they watch very closely as to what the upside's going to be. They talk to their managers. I'm not sure if he's available or not, but I'll watch that space because it's going to be a crazy space in the next couple of weeks to be watching. Uh, Davey Melton, you there, Dave? Hey, mate, how are you, mate? I was Good. just thinking that having two full forwards like Kurnow and Mackay and Hawkins and 
Cameron and all these teams, right? It doesn't work. It leaves you vulnerable in the broadline. Do you think one full forward's probably it? And to see what Collingwood did without one, and to see teams with two full forwards and spending all that money in that forward line, just doesn't work. Well, Collingwood would have had McStay, though. They would have played McStay. Do you not count him as a key forward, Dave? Yeah, well, we're not paying him the cash that Kernow and... No. Like, you can get two really good midfielders if you drop one of them. And that's the other issue. How much of your salary cap are you spending on these guys? So, yeah, they're, they're all great to have, but how much of your salary cap are you spending on them? That's the issue. We talked about that with Brody Grundy for the last 12-odd months, or probably beyond that, when Collingwood signed him up on the long-term deal. How much do you commit to a ruckman? How much do you commit to a number one ruck as opposed to spreading it across two or three rucks on your list? You can spread that Brody Grundy money across three rucks and have three rucks, you know, Mason Cox, Darcy Cameron, uh, you know, and one other young backup who's getting, you know, minimum chips. So that's the issue there. Um, Yeah, Dave, paying big money to two key forwards, you might be right, although... What's Geelong paying Tom Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron right now? What did Richmond pay Jack Rewalt and Tom Lynch during their premiership years? If you've got two good ones, Dave, then you're probably prepared to pay the money for two really, really good ones. So that's the issue there. Are they good enough to be paying that kind of money? And if they're not quite of that ilk, if it's Aaron Norton and Jamara Eugle Hagen, that's where you've got to work it out as well. If it's, you know, are you over-committing to a guy like a Rory Lobb to try and get him to your club and he doesn't end up being the key forward. That's the issue with keeping Norton as opposed to going to get a Ben Mackay or a, or a Rory Lobb. You know, getting players, you end up over-committing to try and get players when it comes to the money you have to pay them. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I mentioned with Sammy Eben as well. I had it mentioned to me back when I voted on the Norm Smith way, way back when Michael Voss and Nathan Buckley were the two contenders grand final day for it till late when we had to vote. And I had it mentioned to me again by someone who I respect immensely in the industry whether we should get Hall of Famous to vote on the Norm Smith. We went closer to it. We had one journo and four stars voting on the Norm Smith, and they got it right. Um, Eddie Betts, Luke Darcy, Jude Bolton, and Luke Shuey all voted along with Sarah Ollie. I don't mind the idea of having one journo on, but I would like the idea of celebrating some of the Hall of Famous that are at the ground, have them announced and celebrated as voters. There's just under 200 ex-players now who are life members because they've played 300 games, or just over just under 200 that have played 300 games when it's, you know, total state games and and home and away games and finals, etc. So a lot of those guys are at the game. You've got about 200 life members and Hall of Fame members who attend the grand final. Your thoughts on whether the Norm Smith, I think we've moved back in that direction a bit. By having Eddie Betts, Luke Darcy, Jude Bolton, Luke Shuey along with one journo, should we have six or seven or even um, you know nine Hall of Famers and a journo vote on the Norm Smith and celebrate them on grand final day? Might be a chance to actually give a bit of love and respect to some of our old-time greats. Your thoughts on that for Norm Smith voting going forward? I think it would be nice to celebrate the Norm Smith voters and use the Hall of Famers that are watching the game live. You know, bring them out. Celebrate them with the fans. Your thoughts on that? one three hundred seven three six seven three six as well on the open line. And we'll give away a few things as well. Uh, one here on the text should be former Norm Smith medalists. Well, Luke Shuey was part of that. I mean, the star-studded 
cast that we had on the weekend. Eddie Betts, Luke Darcy, Jude Bolton, Luke Huey, I think moved us back in that direction. And I'd like to keep moving back in that direction as well. Straight back to your calls for Midday Madness, Paul and Doreen. Welcome to you, Paul. G'day, Dwayne. Um, just a bit, something a bit left of centre. Um, like the goal and mark of the year, how about with the Norm Smith where you give the fans a bit of a say and, and they have a set of votes as well. You can, I don't know, text in or, or get on a website and choose your, um, your favourite player of the day. I thought Bobby Hill had a great game, but being at the game, I thought Jack Crisp was, probably should have got more votes for the Norm Smith. They do it in the NFL, don't they, Paul? The broadcaster has a poll as to who should be the Norm Smith medalist. It's a good addition. I like it a lot. So the fans get a chance. So you know, I like the idea of, of involving the Hall of Famers. One journo, like we had this year, Sarah Ollie, and, and then a list of Hall of Famers, whoever that journo is, you know, Jared Waitley, whatever. You know, I was lucky enough to vote one year, and I'm only a 50-game player. So, you know, I, I would get a list of Hall of Famers, and I'd celebrate them as well. And I like the idea of a fan vote for Norm Smith. That's a great idea. And maybe as a broadcaster, um, if Fox ever gets a chance to do it uh, in a couple of years' time, broadcast a grand final, then we can throw it up as an option. Give the fans a chance to vote on the Norm Smith winner. Um, great call, Paul. Hold the line. We've got an e-gift card thanks to the House of Golf coming your way, your one-stop shop for all things golf. Did you want to talk about Aaron Norton as well? Did I cut you off there, Paul? Uh, no, no. Um just the norm smith thanks Dwayne. all right good stuff great to have you as a caller um got a full board at the moment so we'll get to you all i promise andrew and hyatt welcome to you andrew you want to talk norm smith welcome to you yeah pipe i reckon the hall of fame is a good idea you can even get one representative from each club to vote and then those clubs that don't have someone just have someone who represents gold coast gws and free if they don't have anyone in the hall of fame to vote on the day as well yeah to to involve and celebrate the Hall of Famers, given how many are there, there's, there's two, three hundred of them there. I think it would be great, even if they get acknowledged in the crowd, you know. Um, in the crowd, um, here's, you know, Lee Matthews. And there's a text, by the way, saying that Lee Matthews got it wrong one year. I know, but, um, yeah, I get that, absolutely. Sometimes people get it wrong. Uh, Hall of Famers, Lee Matthews votes for Nathan Broad in 2020 and admits he wanted to vote for Jaden Short. I get that. But you could have them stand up in the grandstand uh, as icons of the game and have them celebrated on the big screen. Appreciate it. Jason and Werribee, welcome to you, Jason. Yeah, how you going, Dwayne? Good. I just got a query, like um, the top end of year review. What about the umpires? Because some of the decisions during the um, finals were, were pretty uh, atrocious, as you would have seen. Like, And I just feel like it's the, the old Toby tax sort of thing again, like, uh, he doesn't get as much free kicks yet. Other players get him for, for ducking and stuff like Even like Dacos on, on grand final. And then poor old Jack Ginevan, he can't even get one. So I just want to see how they sort of look at themselves like that. Jason, you're spot on. I think it doesn't help when uh, a guy like Toby Green doesn't get a decision or a Jack Ginevan doesn't get a decision. And then the same decision is paid in favour of a Nick Dacos. It does feel like it's the umpires have got some sort of favoritism in them, even though I don't think they have. I think, I think they're just guessing on the rule. I don't think there's been enough direction as to what the rule should be. And when you change a rule, or at least a change in interpretation halfway through a season like you did last year, you just cause confusion. And I think the umpires are still confused. They can't even get it right. So I, is there a Toby tax? It feels like to me there is sometimes. Is there a Ginevan tax? It felt like to me there was for a little while. But I think they've just got to sort the head high out. And once they sort the head high out, 
and get some sort of consistency on it and actually write the rules so we can all understand it and it's there for fans to understand, then we're going to be a lot better off. But this, whether you dropped at the knees or did you duck, uh, there's two different interpretations. I'll play you Ray Chamberlain from earlier in the year trying to give us a definitive um, way of ascertaining whether a guy dropped at the knees, dropped his level, or whether he is actually ducking for contact or ducking to avoid a hit. Because ducking to avoid a hit and ducking to contact, according to the way it's interpreted, um, it, they're two different things. Chris in Ballarat, welcome to you, Chris. Uh, afternoon, Pipe. Um, I'd happily take the odds on Essendon at the moment and a couple of the others just outside the, the betting. There's always some changes, and I think it was pretty even just outside the eight this year. Good, yeah, I think that's they're going to be a lot better off soon when they get all those players that apparently they're going to get as well. I mean, Todd Goldstein's going to add a little. Ben Mackay's going to add a little if you get Gresham as well. Um, we'll play the latest on Clayton Oliver as well from Sammy Edmund from earlier today after 1 o'clock. I don't think they'll get Clayton Oliver, but uh, they're at least adding, aren't they, Chris, to, to make themselves better? I think adding, and I, I use Mackay as an example. Mackay, I think we... I don't mind them paying overs because what it does, it actually frees Ridley up. It frees... It, so they all slide down one. So rather than Ridley having to take the key back, mm. or key forward, sorry, um, because Zerk Thatcher wasn't, it wasn't a big enough body. He's a, he, look, he's a promising defender, but there's nothing of him. Um, so it meant Ridley... You were sacrificing Ridley. We're also probably going to have Sumita Peter back for a full season. So we didn't yeah. have a... a an overly functional forward line, and I think Kyle Langford's... I've always thought he was underrated, um, but I think we found a home for him, that um, when we had that good run a couple of years back when Stringer was fit, you had him and um, Langford rotating. So you had the bigger body on the outside who could use the ball and could set up a, a forward entry properly as opposed to just bombing it in, throwing on the left foot and hope, hitting in hope. So I think those sorts of players, and if we can pick up a... A, a, a mid player from Port or something like that in a in a trade for Zach Thatcher and a few little bits and pieces like that, that might get us into the bottom half of the eight and, and getting that in a position to get that finals win to then target 2025-2026. Appreciate your call. We'll play what Chris Davis from Port Adelaide said about them getting Zach Thatcher and probably Osava Radagalia on Trade Radio earlier after 1 o'clock when we bring you our sports report. Got a full board. Back to your calls very shortly for Midday Matters. One here. This is ridiculous. You really want 10 people and Nuffy supporters giving votes? Give it a spell, Duano. It's on the North Smith. No, I don't want the television broadcaster and the fans to vote on the North Smith. But I think the broadcaster could involve the fans in a vote as to who you think should win the North Smith. So get a fan's vote on who they think should win a Norm Smith. I don't think their votes should count toward the Norm Smith. But I think a panel of all uh, of Hall of Famers or a panel of 300-game life members uh, plus one journo is a good way to go forward and let's celebrate the Hall of Famers on the day that are there. I reckon it could just step it up a notch. So if you decide that he's dropped and he has not had a prior opportunity, therefore the tackle's been deemed to be legal... If he can't handball it and the ball, or he can't kick it and it's pinned and trapped, he hasn't had a prior, it's a ball up. So this idea of it has to be one of two things is not true. If you do choose to duck, that is considered a prior opportunity. But the shrug or the dropping and lowering, the game has said to us at this stage, 
we are not deeming that to be a prior opportunity. So it's a clear point of difference in the way in which the laws of the game have to be implemented. That was Ray Chamberlain earlier in the year with Gerard Whiteley saying that uh, if you choose to duck, then that's your prior opportunity. But if you shrug or drop, it's not. So we're all trying to work out the difference between ducking and dropping. Uh, there you go. one three hundred seven three six. the open line number if you'd like to join us. Tony in Endeavour Hills, you there, Tony? Hi, Dwayne. Good to have you. I'm good, mate. Thanks for asking. What do you got for hey, us? Hey, listen, I was, just, I was just thinking how ironic it is that after going to the races before playing in the grand final on Friday night, Jack Ginnivan is now the Cox Plate ambassador. <laughs> it is quite funny, but that's the beauty of uh, PR, isn't it, Tony? He's the man of the moment. He's a premiership star. He loves the Valley, and now he's become their promoter. Francesca in Essendon, in Glen Iris, wants to talk Essendon. Yeah, Francesca? Yeah, I am. Um, so I'm with my co-worker, Matt, in the van, and every time he's got a new person in the van, we have to call up just for your show. Uh, so here I am, and I just like to talk about Essendon. Fire away. you got a minute, Francesca, so it's all yours, you and the all team right, in the van. Well, I, I think we shouldn't look into getting Goldstein because we've got two young ruckmen that are coming through. I don't think we need to pay, you know, big bucks for a ruckman that won't stay for too long. I think we've just got to stick it out and wait a while. And stick with Sammy Draper as your number one man. He might not be available early in the season, Francesca, but cheerio to all. Who's in the van? Who is there? Yeah, it's Matt. Hey, Matt. You're the new man in the van. Great to have you, Matt. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's Watt for Kangan Institute. Unleash you at Kangan Institute enrol now. Another big hour of midday matters to come. Uh, quite a few coming through on the text. Keep your text coming through 0433 uh, One here, I haven't heard how much money Norton is getting. He could be getting 10 mil for all we know. Well, we kind of know, but we don't know. And I'm with Kane Corns on if we actually knew how much money we were players were getting then we could actually calm the farm and say, look, Norton's not getting top 10 player in the comp money. He's actually just being signed up on a long-term deal to keep him at the club so you don't have to overpay him down the track when Tassie come in or he's getting out of contract as a free agent as he would be next year. So we would actually be able to ascertain, okay, we're only paying that much of his salary cap, that percentage of the salary cap for Norton for eight years. That's a really good story as opposed to not really knowing what he's getting. Another one here. What about the retired players vote on the Norm Smith? They are there on the day, uh, more recently relevant to playing, and they're there for their trip around the ground. That's a good call as well. You could get the recently retired players because you have to be a a 250-game player to do the lap of honour. So that's a pretty good nomination as well as to how we can continue to pump up the Norm Smith voting panel. One here, why do we need a journalist involved with the Norm Smith voting at all? That's from Paul. Yeah, well, the tradition has been to have a journo. And uh, the journo, Sarah Ollie, got it right with the rest of them this time. But I would still celebrate Hall of Famers. But, yeah, you're probably right. We don't need a journo. You could just have all Hall of Famers and celebrate seven Hall of Famers who are voting on the day. Get them to stand up in the grandstand. Here's your Norm Smith voters today. And put them up on the big screen. And a massive round of applause. A big lineup of calls still on the line. We'll get to you as Midday Matters continues, but we do need a trade update for tyre power. Think safety this month. Get the five-minute tyre safety check at your local tyre power 
probably the biggest story, and no one's called about it today, um, which is interesting on Clayton Oliver. If you missed Sammy Evans' detailed report earlier on where things stand for Melbourne and Clayton Oliver, here's what he was reporting as of this morning. The Melbourne Football Club have hit Clayton Oliver with an ultimatum. Shape up or ship off. Now, fed up, Demons officials have told their troubled midfielder that they need a commitment from him, a renewed commitment that he will once again conform to the standards and expectations that the club demands. They have made a series of demands to Oliver that include the need to treat club staff with respect, to treat teammates with respect, prepare the way that he should, and to turn up to training in the proper condition. So it can be revealed this morning that Melbourne's reluctance, which we've all been curious about, to squash the frenzied trade talk surrounding the 26-year-old, is exclusively due to its exasperation with Oliver's increasingly erratic behaviour. Now, Oliver is said to have lost his way at times during a difficult campaign, interrupted by injury, but it's his behaviour since the D's straight sets finals demise that has concerned and deeply concerned many at club headquarters. Now, sources I've spoken to with an intimate knowledge of this Rocky Oliver Demons relationship describe this as football's version of an intervention rather than a push to the exit door. Now, equally, Oliver, as we know, has made clear his dissatisfaction with his club to various sections of the AFL industry. We heard from Dwayne Russell yesterday. And it's this ill will that has seen rival clubs smell blood in the water and some of them even confident of actually pulling off an enormous trade coup. In recent days, however, Oliver has shown a willingness, some willingness to return to the fold. He's put his hand up to say that his living arrangements and his social lifestyle perhaps haven't been befitting of an AFL player. It's my understanding that Max Gorn has also opened the door of his home to Clayton Oliver, who was recently moved in with the captain and his family. Now, insiders say and have said that Melbourne was making no apologies for setting the standards that they believe are critical to success in professional sport. Demons officials have been eager to support, to nurture, and even protect Oliver as he navigated some challenges this year. And in many cases, they have done that on external advice. But Oliver's downward spiral has forced the club to take a harder stance. And it's that stance that has set the trade period alight. And it's a stance that rekindles some memories of Dustin Martin touring the GWS facilities in 2013, of Steve Johnson doing the same at Collingwood as he did in 2006, and even, to some degree, Jordan Degoe last year coming close to joining St Kilda. This is the Melbourne play. Melbourne categorically do not want to trade Clayton Oliver, who is a four-time best and fairest winner, a triple All-Australian, and with a lucrative seven-year contract in place. That is, unless he makes it impossible to be retained. That was Sammy Eben earlier today, and if you weren't with me yesterday, I mentioned that uh, I spent uh, an hour or so with him, grand final morning. My daughter, Summer, her friend Sarah, all of us were there for an SEN function at Beer Deluxe, so uh, the crowd even heard from Clayton. Uh, I had a chat to him outside of what was said on the microphone. As I said yesterday, I'm not going to divulge our private conversations, but he did seem like a guy who needed a hug from his club to me. And, uh, well, the Herald Sun reporting right now, Clayton Oliver has told Melbourne he wants to stay, and Melbourne is open to signing uh, to Oliver staying as a potential trade-out de-escalates. Crisis meetings in the last 48 hours, which included an update to the board at a meeting on Wednesday night, have detailed the positions of the club and Oliver and his manager. So that headline 
in the Herald Sun. Clayton Oliver has told Melbourne he wants to stay, and Melbourne is open to Oliver staying as a potential trade-out de-escalates. Uh, the Herald Sun saying the meetings included. Coach Simon Goodwin, Chief Executive Gary Pert, General Manager of Football Performance Alan Richardson, and it goes on to say that uh, the club wants the three-time best and fairest winner to remain, but wants a commitment from Oliver to improve his professionalism and continue to address some significant um, health concerns. So that's the latest there. Other news floating around. Justin North Melbourne has announced that Liam Shields will play on in 2024. So he's signed a one-year extension. And, uh, well, Chris Davies will give you the rest of the sport report very shortly. Chris Davies did speak about the Port Adelaide Footy Club and what they're after. We'll bring you that for Tyre Power. Think safety this month. Get the five-minute safety check at your local Tyre Power as the sport report uh, gets uh, relayed to you in a bit more detail later. But we've got a full board of calls right now, so I do want to get to you all. Uh, Joseph in Richmond, what can you do, Joseph? Thanks, Wayne. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Good to Thanks be here. Thanks for jumping on. Um, I, I want to talk about the AFL Grand Final crowds the last two years, because um, I think there might be something fishy going on, but curious to get your thoughts. So I'm sure you saw when you were commentating on the day that the crowd was 100,024, and they put up that it was a full house. Yep. Um, which was the same, the same crowd last year because 100,024 is the maximum capacity of the MCG. And look, obviously everyone wants to show up on grand final day, but I guess I was a little bit sceptical that not a single person was unable to use their ticket. And I was at the game and I spoke to an MCC steward at the end and I said, did you guys have a lockout? Because 8,500 of the MCC tickets are available for full members on walk-up. They can just scan in. And if it was maximum capacity, they would have had to have a lockout. But he said, no, we were still 60 to 70 standing room spaces away from a lockout. So there were at least 60 to 70 spots still available. And the last MCC lockout was the 2007 preliminary final between Collingwood and Geelong. And it caused chaos and people couldn't come in and people got separated from their families and things like that. But that hasn't happened since. And so I guess something's going on because how can it be a full house when there were still at least 70 spots that full members could have occupied. So, I don't know, I'm a bit confused and not getting any answers, and it's happened two years in a row, so curious to get your thoughts. So, but what's your problem with it, Joseph, if they're still allowing full members to get in and there's 70 standing room spots, which is hard to evaluate, but uh, how, what's your problem with the number posted and the, what happened last Saturday? The problem is that they say 100,024 is the maximum capacity of the stadium. Yeah. So they say that it can't be greater than that, and that, which is why they said it's a full house and promote the fact that it was full. And last year, they posted it on the screen and they said 100% capacity. But if yeah. there are still walk-up seats available for the MCC, then it's not a full house. Um, and so that, there's something, something just doesn't seem right because it's well, not but, full. But is it, is it that bigger? How big a drama is it if we've... Well, they say it's a full house, but they probably could have squeezed 50 more in. I mean, when you're talking, you know, 100,000 and one, 100, um, or 101,000, it's not that many people necessarily. And maybe there were some, you know, the... I mean, give or take 50 people, I suppose, is what you're saying. It's a full house. We're putting the full house sign up, give or take 50 people. I think there were thousands that came in later in the day as well. I mean, just before the final siren, I think there were thousands of people, or at least a few hundred people, who came in for the celebration um, and got in late. But I'm not sure about that, whether they got people's pass-outs 
to get in or how that worked, but I think there might have been an extra few hundred come in. Appreciate your call. I'm not that concerned about it. Joseph, you obviously are, and, you know, obviously some people are concerned about stuff that I'm not, but it's that's what Midday Madness is about. Uh, you voicing a concern, and I hope you've had your say. I'm not sure um, whether it matters that much. I think they handle it pretty well, the MCC, the AFL, and the two teams and the fan bases. Uh, Ryan in Torquay, you want to talk grand final as well. Ryan, welcome to you. Yeah, g'day, Dwayne. Yeah, I spoke to you about this one other time. Um, as far as the, the start time for the grand final, now I, I watched the replay, and at 5 o'clock the ground was covered in shade from the grandstands. And to me, that they played that preliminary final up in Brisbane at, I think it was either 5.10 or 5.15 or something like that. I just wonder how, how much better the pre-game and, and, the, and it takes out the sun and the heat factors of the game and also the ratings into New South Wales and Queensland. It must be... To, to play the game at 5 o'clock makes sense to me. I, I just don't understand why the AFL don't turn it into a twilight game. Because the fans haven't wanted it, Ryan, and it's the tradition to have it in that 2.30 time slot. Um, hey, don't get me wrong, we've talked about it a lot and exactly what you're saying, thousands and thousands of people are now saying, and I think the AFL internally are probably saying, what's wrong with the 5 o'clock start? What's wrong with the 5 o'clock start is that it's against tradition. So anything that's against tradition often uh, upsets the fan base to the point that they rally against it. I I get it, what you're saying. I, I'm happy for twilight. I don't really want it to go night, to be honest. I'd rather day or twilight. But if I had to pick the two, if I was boss of the AFL, I'd probably be saying 4.30 as well. Mark on the Limestone Coast wants to talk to Saints. Welcome to you, Mark. Thanks for holding. Yeah, cheers, mate. Um, it'd be interesting. Uh, I'm just going to talk about the Saints in a minute. It'd be interesting to, if you could somehow get a hold of the bookmakers' predictions last October hmm. to see how correct they were. Um, well, they probably I were mean, very you know, incorrect. I reckon they probably would have had Geelong as, and Sydney as the flag favourite and second favourite, Mark. Exactly. So to rate St Kilda 11th, yeah. um, dropping down from 6th, in uh, has Ross Lyon ever coached a team back backwards six spots in his <laughs> second year of coaching? So have they, have they looked at that? When St Kilda were hobbled for most of the year using a, an 18 and 19-year-old forward line, when next year, the, you know, the odds would have it that they're not going to have the same uh, injury problems that they had this year. And lastly, um, I agree with you in regards to long-term um, contracts when it comes to, to young, really young good players. And I don't know about salary caps and all that. I'm not that into it. But if I was the Saints, I'd be locking in seven-year deals with Wanganine Malira, Mitch Owens, Max King, Philippou, Battle, Windhager. And I'd probably do five-year deals with Steele, Marshall, Wilkie and Sinclair because um, they're a bit older, of course. Uh, then you've got a really good core to move forward. And that means that anyone, any prospective players wanting to come to the club can see that there's a core that's going to be settled for the next seven years. was worth waiting for your call, Mark. I know you held for a while, but uh, made a really good batch of points there. Uh, I love it. I agree with all of it. Bob in Coburg, when to you, Bob? Yeah, I just want to talk about Carlton and um, the trade with Clayton Oliver, if possible. Yeah, far away. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Mackay, and, and we've got uh, pick 16. So Mackay and 16... That gives uh, Melbourne 5, 13, 16, 25 and 33 in, in, in the upcoming draft, which is they'll, they'll just destroy the draft. 
So Carlton get Carlton gets Clayton Oliver, Melbourne gets uh, Mackay and uh, our pick, and uh, I reckon it's a win-win for both clubs. Except that Melbourne don't want to trade Clayton Oliver, and what we, from what we understand and from what I could ascertain last Saturday talking to him, he doesn't want to leave either. So it's a, it's a fan speculation at the moment, Bob, of the trade, which is 99.99% sure to not happen. Um, but that's the beauty of trade week. I mean, there's so many different things like that thrown up, Bob, that they almost start to generate momentum, even though they're never going to happen. Trade week's a bizarre time to be alive and bizarre time to be on Talkback Radio. Uh, Ross in Forest Hill. Welcome to you, Ross. Uh, good day, Dwayne. Far away, Ross. Hello, Dwayne. Yeah, Dwayne, how are you? Good. Hello. Yes, uh, Dwayne, uh, I'm a MCC employee. I often talk to you uh, down in the car park inside um, the ground there, and uh, you said to me, call in. Uh, so I'm yeah. going to today and um, just like to respond to the caller a few calls ago. Um, that was, uh, it sounded like he was having a bit of a gripe about the crowd at the ground final. Um, as you know, uh, the MCG, uh, sorry, the Melbourne Cricket Club, as ground managers, have uh, a lot on their plate when it comes to organising um, finals. And um, in respect to ticketing and all that, that's all sorted out by the AFL and uh, Ticket Ticket Tech or Ticket Master. I can remember which one it is. Um, but um, yeah, look, uh, you know, the other thing is also the the talk about moving the grand final to a later time slot. Um, there's a lot of staff to consider with, with doing things like that. Um, not, I'm not just think, saying this just on my own behalf, but um, a lot of our staff don't really want to be uh, at a grand final working at, uh, on a Saturday night. I know that is not, that's very similar to a home and away game, but um, with all the messy things that they have to do and court courses, you probably noticed um, on Saturday, all of Brunton Avenue was pretty well closed off with all the staging for the entertainment. And uh, it's just a, a massive thing to try and um, change it from a daytime grand final. So twilight wouldn't be too bad, Ross, but night, you don't think it'd be anywhere near as easy? Oh, no way, no way. Look, you know, last week, I, my first um, offer of a ship was on Monday um, and I was working going to be working on one of the turnstile gates but then on Wednesday that was changed to um, the internal car park and I, I don't have a problem with that but um, uh, I just want people to understand out there that it's not just a matter of, um, of saying oh you know you play home and away games at night time but you know these are being textured and, and know, know it's happening uh, months and months beforehand whereas uh, you know the grand final and everything else is so much harder to do. Ross, uh, great to have you call. I really appreciate you jumping on the line. I don't know how many times I've said to people uh, that have said, oh, I could have called you last week or I should call you that can clarify stuff or give us the insider's point of view. And I say, well, give us a call, give us a call. Um, Someone's probably given us a call. Well, I have had a few texts from people inside over the course of the show for many, many years. But good to have your call, Ross, and thanks for clarifying the insider's point of view. Hold the line. We've got some whiskey for you, some Starwood whiskey, award-winning whiskey, Starwood to New Horizons. Got a few of those still to give away today. The Dog Lovers Festival bounds back to Jeff Shedd, October 13th to 15th. Fetch tickets. Get that. Fetch tickets at dogloversfestival.com.au. Andrew and Kuyong, welcome to you, Andrew. Thanks for holding. Oh, thanks, Dwayne. Love your show. 
Hey, Thank look, you. When I heard that, I think it was a St Kilda supporter talking about a bit of value with the bookies. Hmm. I, I, I'd sort of encourage him to get on. Look, um, look, I did get on to Bobby Hill. I, I couldn't believe he was $80. Uh, I just want to basically say the bookies don't always get it right. They get a lot more right than the punters. But occasionally you see something crazy. And I, I just thought it was amazing. I went to the Melbourne uh, game against Collingwood and I thought Bobby was one of the best players on the ground. Kicks three goals and at his next start on the same track, he's $80, and, uh, which was astonishing. So anyway, um, I just wanted to say if you see some cracking value this, this far out, you know, gamble responsibly, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And um, anyway, I just thought I'd mention that. I thought it was incredible. He could, Bobby could have been $80. I thought it was the craziest. Uh, odds I've seen in a very long time. Anyway, Dwayne, Great thanks, for- mate. Good on you, Andrew. Great foresight by you, of course. Hey, yes, imagine what you could be buying instead for free and confidential support. Visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Trout and Woodend, you've been holding for a while, weren't you, Trout? Hey, Dwayne and all the listeners out there, just a couple of things. Uh, the Richmond Grand Final was um, 100,022 because two people didn't turn up and we never ever found out who they were. Right. Um, we also... We also, um, you saw talking about rule changes before. I noticed through the finals campaign, I'm not too sure near the end of the year, the, when the umpire was calling for the Ruckmans to come in and close to throw the ball up, in the finals, they just threw it straight up. They didn't even call them. Trout, um, they do tinker late in the year and things evolve during the year and maybe because you've got the best players who don't really need to be told what to do all the time, I'm all for umpires coaching less and umpiring more anyway. I mean, the umpire's continually saying, don't hold, don't grapple, I'll pay a free kick against you, you're holding it. I mean, if it's there, pay it. You don't have to coach, I don't think. If I'm a player getting held all the time, do I really want the umpire telling my opponent, don't hold him, don't hold him, don't hold him? I'd actually just rather the umpire paid me a free kick because I'm getting held. But that's just my thoughts on it, Trout, and good to have yours. Brad in Blackburn, welcome to you, Brad. Hey, Dwayne. Got a bit of a hypothetical for you, mate. I'm a bit of a Swans man and I would love to get Clayton Oliver. I'm just thinking, what do you reckon the Swans give up Pick 11 and Logan McDonald for uh, Clayton Oliver, but then Melbourne take those uh, two and forward them to West Coast and get the number one pick? Uh, Look, I don't think Oliver's leaving, so I think it's all speculation and hypotheticals Brad, that I mean, I'm happy to go on with the hypotheticals, but some hypotheticals, and I, I'm as guilty as anybody when it comes to throwing up hypothetical ideas. But I think the Oliver hypothetical is such a long shot right now. Um, I'm not sure it's really worth adding that much air to. But yes, I'd get him if I could get him. Absolutely. I mean, as a star. But am I giving away Logan McDonald on the Swans? Oh, probably not. And do I really want to? Get rid of Logan McDonald for a number one pick who you don't really know. Well, Tarkin Lockyer's got to join us after two. Um, We'll find out from Tarkin Lockyer whether the number one pick, Harley Reid, is whether it's Harley Reid first and Daylight second and whether it's worth selling the farm for Harley Reid. I'm not sure that it's worth selling the farm for Harley Reid myself if you've already got Clayton Oliver or if you've already got Logan McDonald. So that's where I'm at with that. I'm... I've, you've put a couple of years of energy into Logan McDonald's development, and Lance Franklin's now gone. I'm not sure I'm letting him go, but I appreciate your call. Brad, that's the beauty of Midday Matters. Dwayne on the road. Thanks for holding. Dwayne, welcome to you. 
How are you, Duano? Good. What do you got for us? Mate, I went to the basketball last week, the NBL, the, the Phoenix versus United with the family. And, mate, that is actually an incredible night. We got there probably 40 minutes prior to the game, and you walk in, and the, the place is going off. There's just music, there's dancers. I mean, the game itself was very, very good. But the atmosphere at halftime with DJ Ivana Brown and just, mate, the place was going off. I walked out of there exhausted. It was incredible. But, um, <laughs> they leave the AFL and the big bash in these places for dead with entertainment. And my daughter, the minute we walked out of there, when are we going back? When are we going back? And I, uh, you can't even get a membership there, mate. They're all sold out. That, that's no, I think you can still get a Phoenix. I think you can still get a Phoenix membership. Well, you you went for Melbourne United, did you, Dwayne? Yeah, you got to get on the bandwagon with Delavadova and Goulding and these guys, mate. But um, <laughs> it was, mate, I tell you now, I walked out of there and I felt like I played a game of footy. I was buggered. It was incredible. It is great. I agree with you 100%, Dwayne. Everyone knows how much I love the basketball. I'll be there probably Saturday week, I reckon. Uh, not this Saturday, but Saturday week for the Melbourne Phoenix game. So I'm looking forward to going along and taking my kids as well because they absolutely love it. So uh, I think Mitch Creek's going to join us tomorrow. And there is memberships available. So uh, Aaron Pereira from South East Melbourne Phoenix, uh, he'd love to have you, Dwayne, if you can't get your Melbourne United membership. Maybe you should jump on the Phoenix. They beat the Wildcats last week, Hutchie's mob, and won fairly convincingly. Uh, tickets are selling fast for the games, by the way. They start at just $30 for adults. So if you head to semphoenix.com.au to secure your spot today, you can get one. That's how quick they are on the on the text machine to me, South East Melbourne Phoenix. If there's a prospect of a new membership, uh, they're on to you. Dwayne, there you go. So... Uh, jump on board the Phoenix and uh, get a little green in your life. Colin and Hoppers Crossing, are you there, Colin? Hi, Antoine. Um, I was just um, saying about the best and fairest at St Kilda. How the vibe in the whole club is just so up. It's just so different. And, and um, I remember earlier in the year when they did what they did with um, Brett Ratton and all that and how the doom and gloom was and all that. It's just... It's amazing how a little bit of success can just get everybody back on board. Is this my other quick thing, but, um, Dwayne? Did you ever cross paths with Ross Lyon playing football? I've crossed paths with Ross, but only fleetingly. We did play against each other, but I'm not sure if we we played in the same era together. But I'm not sure we actually crossed paths on the field to the point that I remember it, Colin. There you go. Okay, I'm just wondering whether you had that sort of awe or something about, you know, you would have thought, oh, are you surprised what sort of coach you were and that was all? Well, there were a lot of those players of that era who you didn't necessarily know were going to go on and become the coaches that they've become. But um, that's the th- And a lot of them weren't, well, I suppose, you know, Ross Lyon was a star player. 129 games is nothing to sneeze at. But um, in the 80s and those early 90s, um, I think I played against him one day against when we played against Fitzroy, from my memory. So uh, it's a yes to that question. But there were a number of players back in those days where even Mark Williams, to the point that we didn't know how good they were going to be. But they were thinkers of the game. Paul Roos was another one I played against when he was playing for Fitzroy. Um, you know, great thinkers of the game. Doesn't just because you weren't a champion player doesn't mean you're going to be not going to be a superstar coach and. I think there's been a number proved that. Even Chris Fagan didn't even play a game and was almost a one kickoff being a premiership coach. Great to have you call. Uh, Colin, really appreciate you jumping on the line. Mark in Ringwood wants to talk to Dees. Welcome to you, Mark. Dwayne, your history is unmatched. 
That's a fact. <laughs> you are very good at right. telling stories. But hey, question with um with the cabin trade. So when Jeremy went to which along, I think it was thirteen, fifteen, twenty, and a, a late round pick. Knowing that the days, I assume Oliver will stay. Would five thirteen and they've got five thirteen twenty five. Would that get you? Like, would 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 Gold Coast look into that for like a banking? So you think you need a key forward, Mark. That's the bottom line. You reckon they should go out and get a key forward, even though you had an enormous amount of inside 50s and if you had a, the world all over again, you'd probably win the finals that you lost because of the weight of inside 50s. Uh, you're getting Harrison Petty back and you've got another year of development into Van Royen. 100%. But I think, like, if you look back at the last 15 years, you, you need a solid forward. And, and, and Rue will yeah. be unreal. Like, I think he's young and a lot of potential. But as in, I think they've, they've got the, the... They've obviously given away Jackson, which is emotional. But as in, um, he's a superstar and a premiership player. But as in, with the picks they have, would that be enough to get a banking knowing Walters will come in, they need the draft capital? Would, would that get that over line? Or is there someone else you reckon that would the D should chase? Well, I'm not sure whether you just need to chase a, a B-grade or a B-plus key forward. I mean, Collingwood, I mean, everyone would probably rate my check as an A, probably if you ask Collingwood play, uh, fans. But, you know, he's probably just, when it comes to the superstars of the competition, he's probably B-plus, but he's reliable B-plus. That might be all you need, Mark. Um, that's the, whether you need to, give away three early draft picks to get a Ben King, who I think there's still a bit of an unknown when it comes to Ben King. So, yeah, I'd be more inclined to take a chance on a on a more mature guy who I know what I'm going to get every week. That's the beauty of my check. He's so reliable. I mean, he's, he might not ever kick you seven in a game, but you know he's going to compete every time, and he might kick you three or four, and that's probably all you need. That's the kind of guy that I might be preferring to get right now, Mark. Um, and even guys late in their career. You know, Levi Casbolt had a good last year at the Gold Coast. I'm not suggesting get Levi, but, you know, is it Marby a child? I mean, Taylor Walker's resurrected his career late. There's a few of these guys who are still giving plenty of service to their teams late. So that's probably where I'd go with that. Welcome back to SEN. Dwayne Russell here along with Jimmy Smith, who's been good enough to jump on board as well as we link up with... Our northern partner, Jimmy Smith, SEN Sydney Afternoons host and SEN Supercars commentator, broadcasting live from the Barbecues Galore Steakhouse trackside at Bathurst. Huge savings with Barbecues Galore. Visit in-store or online. Great to be with you, Jimmy, and with your audience. Welcome to you. Uh, G'day, Dwayne. G'day to all your listeners as well. I don't know what's the best smell that's wafting through the Barbecues Galore Steakhouse right now. There's the steak... (laughs) and the ribs that have been cooked on some of these barbecues and, of course, the smell of burning fuel here coming at the bottom of Conroy Strait. It's a, it's a unique cocktail, uh, Dwayne. It is, absolutely. So you're in the thick of it uh, and they're out there at the moment. Uh, what can you tell us so far has happened on the track? Supercars practice at the moment. <laughs> you want to know the truth, Dwayne? Absolutely zero <laughs> yes. idea about what's happening. Okay. From the pro- I'll tell you what I can tell you. <laughs> These cars are going past bloody fast. <laughs> We're at the bottom of Conrad Strait. Apparently, every now and then they put the brakes on just here, uh, at uh, and, and then they go again. So <laughs> there's my insight, Dwayne, into the right. supercars. How about I'll, that? 
Well, tell me, tell me what's on the barbecue then, uh, given that you are in part of the barbecues galore area, trackside of Bathurst, and a uh, quick reminder, huge savings with barbecues galore. Is it in-store or online? So what I can tell you is this, that right behind us are the beef eater barbecues. Now, a little bit earlier, we had a lovely young fellow who was all mic'd up and telling us how to cook ribs, right? Which for me, Dwayne, I have a lot of inadequacies in my life. Cooking on a barbecue is another one. And he was able to do that at a much more elevated level than I'm capable of. I was able to get myself, uh, get hands on some of those ribs, and they are absolutely spectacular. So I guess the meat is a really good starting point, but the barbecues themselves certainly play a huge part of it as well. We've got the ironwood here in front of me as well. They've got the Ziggies, the Ziegler and Browns over here. And then right now there's an exhibition going on uh and i think that is from yeah that's from beef eater as well so everything catered for here Dwayne. so feeling pretty privileged at the moment well, well ribs are my specialty so i'll i'll give you my rundown i think you've got to take the membrane off the back myself you've All got right. to marinate them for the least for at least a full 24 hours and make sure in whatever spice mix you use you've got to put honey in and i like a half a can of cider in with my ribs as well so that's what i'm i'm putting into mine when you do the overall marinade and then you take you give them a good four hours and then when you well probably three depending on how hot your barbecue is and whether you've got one enclosed or not and then once you take them off out of the foil and then you give them a little half an hour to an hour outside of the foil just to crispy them up uh, get them a little caramelised. There's my tips for barbecuing. Give me your tips as to what might happen on the track across the next couple of days because you are bringing us the commentary across the weekend. Yeah, really looking forward to it. So we've had a couple of Super 2 car drivers in here, Aaron Seaton and Ellie Morrow. So they've got their couple of events. We've got the practice going on now. We've got the shootout of course on Saturday afternoon which we are looking forward to. But then eight hours of the great race, a thousand kilometres I think it's 161 laps of the Mount Panorama circuit. And just speaking to Aaron and Ellie, and they you know, talked about they obviously have designs on stepping up and uh, you want them to, you know, realise their dreams and, and go to the next level. Uh, and, you know, I asked them what was the great challenge of Mount Panorama and they said it's the ability to be within centimetres of the wall and not back off. And, you know, that can be challenging for experienced drivers, let alone the young drivers that were here. The big story, I think, has to be Shane Van Gisbergen, right? It's the 60th running of Mount Panorama, and we all know that he's he's off to the NASCARs next year, but he's driving with Richie Stanaway. They're favourites for the event, so you would have to say that that would be some sort of fairy tale for Shane Van Gisbergen before he leaves the sport. The other one is really interesting, the Sandown 500 winners too. That is Brock Feeney and Jamie Wincup. You know, they're they're down a little bit in the market, but on the back of that win at Sandown, I think a lot of people are looking at the young gun, Brock Feeney, and the, the old team boss in Jamie Wincup getting it done here again at Bathurst. That would be something for the fans. I'll, I'll tell you what's amazing, Dwayne, is the number, that, you know, the, the ecosystem that lives within supercars. You watch it on the telly on a, on a Sunday or a Saturday afternoon, and you go, yeah, righto, there's a fair bit goes into that. Then you turn up here at, at Bathurst and you realise all the auxiliary industries that are associated with it, not least our great sponsors here at Barbecues Galore, but people everywhere, everyone's decked out in their, their favourite 
kit, whether it's Red Bull Holden racing, whether it's the uh, Shell racing with the Fords, no matter who it is, you know, everyone's got a, a camp that they're supporting and, it, and it's absolutely fantastic. Thankfully, the weather's held off today as well. Bit of a tough day yesterday. It looks good for the weekend coming up and there's just going to be some fantastic racing. Ripper, Jimmy, uh, there's a rustle at the top of the leaderboard as it stands right now after half an hour of practice. Dave Russell just gone to the top of the leaderboard. We'll talk tomorrow with you live at Bathurst. Jimmy, you can give me more on what you think might happen in the great race, and I'll give you my open flame tomahawk <laughs> steak recipe. How's that? And I'll even throw in my octopus recipe for the open fire. I tell you what, Dwayne, you sound like you know exactly what you're doing on a barbecue, which is not <laughs> unique amongst Victorians. Now, our great mate Simon O'Donnell, who yep. I hosted the Sporting Flame with over summer, really fancies himself on a barbecue. So I'm going to ask you a very pointed question. Who goes better with the BBQ, you or SP O'Donnell? I think Simon O'Donnell has access to the better offerings of steak, uh, given he's in the business. So uh, it's definitely Simon O'Donnell ahead of me, but uh, I wouldn't mind a cook-off against him. Jimmy, we'll catch you tomorrow. Tune in tomorrow as well. We'll uh, check in with Jimmy Smith at the Barbecues Galore trackside tent at Bathurst. Huge savings with Barbecues Galore. Visit in-store or online. Rapid fire, midday matters time. You call, you get on, one 300 If we couldn't get you on the last couple of hours, and the lines were full for the best of best part of an hour and a half. But if you want to jump on now, we'll squeeze you on. But you have to be quick. Rapid fire, midday matters for Coolabar Turf, Victoria's premier supplier of instant lawn. A bit of rapid fire off the text. Dwayne, the kid Jefferson at Melbourne, is a key forward and kicked over 50 goals in the VFL this year. He's already in the Melbourne system. So that's from Kurt. As to Melbourne, don't need to go out and buy it. Ben King. Uh, Dwayne, Noah Bolter is twice the player that Ben Mackay is, Rob, in Burr. And that's the issue when it comes to buying players as opposed to securing them like Aaron Norton. If you've got to buy a player from somewhere else, you've got to pay him big bucks. And, yeah, you're right. Ben Mackay is going to get big bucks and probably more than you'd probably think he's worth given his body of work so far. One from Laura. My mother-in-law is an MCC member. She lined up, got her ticket, went home, couldn't come back for the game, was hit with sinus issues. So her ticket might have been counted. And yeah, okay, ticket counted, but a spare seat. And there might have been 50-odd of those. Dwayne, Norton would be lucky to be in the top 15 forwards. And you're bang on about what a good decision. He can't even kick. It all depends on how much they're paying him. I'm happy to lock any of these players in for a long-term deal. It depends more on how much of the salary cap you're paying for them as opposed to the long-term deal. I think long-term deals are good as long as you're not over-committing on the money. Dwayne, the King twins are overrated, uh, overpaid, injury-prone, average kicks for goal. Yeah, I would argue, I reckon Max King is a good kick for goal. Uh, I agree with you 100%. I would prefer my check as my key forward. That's at the moment. doesn't mean that Ben King might not end up being uh, a hell of a lot better key forward than Brody Mychek. But right now... You'd have to say Brody Mychek keeps delivering on a consistent basis. And Dwayne, the performance by Kiss gets lost in the wash. They delivered, Chris, in the Melbourne CBD. I reckon a few have mentioned it. Tom in Seaford. Sorry, Tom. You have to be kicked quick. You there? G'day, Dwayne. It's a bit of trivia. I'm not sure if you've heard this. Collins won the flag in every year there was a royal coronation. 10, 36, 53, uh, and uh, now 23. What's the link then, Tom, other than coincidence? Well, co- probably coincidence. Uh, so Unless they're the, they are the royals of, they are the royalty of the AFL. I like it, Tom. I'll take it on that. And pipe. Uh, what's your recipe for ribs? 
spices and rubs. I wanted to give you that. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's World. Dwayne's World for Kangan Institute. Unleash your Kangan Institute in a roll. Now I'm going to head back to your calls very shortly. A trade update for tyre power as well. Think safety this month. Get the five-minute tyre safety check at your local tyre power. Got a heap of texts I want to get through as well. Keep your texts coming and I'll read a batch of texts in a few minutes. 0433 Your new Temper Pro, T-E-M-P-U-R. Temper, Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. Mattresses like no other. And as I mentioned, the trade update is for tyre power. Think safety this month. Get the five-minute Tire safety check at your local tire power. So a caller earlier on uh, gave us a call about what might happen with Brandon Zerk Thatcher and what might happen with uh, Port Adelaide in general, who they might give back. Well, Chris Davies, the head of football at Port Adelaide, spoke about a few different things today on Trade Radio. So let's address the Essendon part of Brandon Zerk Thatcher and Asava Radagalia first. Here's Chris Davies on the need for a key defender the big hulking key forward, but he definitely, you know, in our view, has the capability to to be, you know, a, a tall defender who can play on more more of the mobile forwards in the competition. So, you know, it's, again, an area that we think we need to add because we found a lot of this year that Aaliyah was playing on, you know, the opposition's best forward and, and you know, Aaliyah's best footy might just be as an intercept player rather than having to play on, you know, the opposition's best mm. forward. And, and that's what we'll be searching for either through the trade period or into 2024. Well, we definitely think, Brad, that, that he'll help us. You know, ultimately, you know, the, these guys, you know, what, what, what I would say is that it's easier to get deals done when the players are out of contract. And, and you know, ultimately, those guys can, can move if they don't get a, a trade done. So, mm. yeah, whereas we went... We went after Asava last year and he wanted to come to us, he was contracted. And so totally understand that Geelong didn't want to do that deal at the time. I guess there's maybe a little bit more pressure on them to get the deal done this year because he's out of contract and and can walk. Um, yeah, we think Asava definitely will help our, our back line. You know, we've had our captain, Tom Jonas, retire. We've had Tom Cleary, who you know, struggled this year to to get on the park. You know, Trent McKenzie, the same. So we, we think that he can definitely help Aaliyah. You know whether whether you know uh, Geelong see him at the the top end or whether the public see him at the top end is is really not an issue for me. Ultimately, you know these deals need to be worked through and and get done. And yeah, well, we often don't look at these things individually. You look you look at the end of the trade period and say what have you had to give up to get done. Sometimes you you have to give over. Sometimes you might think that you've been able to get through without giving total market value at the time, but. You know, trades are generally looked back on after four or five years and you, you work out whether you did a good job or not. So Chris Davies there on Brandon Zerk Thatcher and Asava Radaglia. They're obviously after both. He also spoke about the fact that they're after Jordan Sweet or they think they'll get Jordan Sweet and they do need a ruck, whether it's Jordan Sweet or Ivan Soldai or both. They're certainly after Jordan Sweet. What are they going to have to give up though? Well, Xavier Dersma might be, he might not be. Chris Davies said this on Xavier Dersma. Yeah, that, that's an interesting one. You, you know, what we've never done, you know, historically is really stand in the way of someone who thought that maybe their best footy was going to be played somewhere else if they had real reasons to do that. Now, you know, X is in a situation where he was, you know, he was in our team for all of last year. You know, disappointed, I guess, with his form and, and we hoped for him to be better and he's had some injury issues over time. I mean, I don't think there's any 
real reasons to Xavier to leave the club. But equally, if, you know, if, if he came to us and said that he wanted to, then I guess we've got some decisions to make. But right now, I think it's more likely than not that he's, he's with Port Adelaide next year. So Xavier Dersma staying for the time being by the sounds of things. And while we're on Port Adelaide, Travis Boak spoke to Gary and Tim on breakfast this morning and he was asked about who Port Adelaide's potential captain might be now that Tom Jonas has retired. If you're a Port fan out there and you want to weigh into this either on the text 0433 or 1300 that open line brought to us by Werribee Kia. Uh, by means jump on. Is it going to be Ollie Wines by default given he's the vice captain and he was captain before with Tom Jonas? Connor Rosie, Zach Butters, who's it going to be? Here's Travis spoke on that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Obviously, Ollie's um, uh, the vice captain at the moment, and he's probably the obvious one. And then you've got some younger guys. If we if we do go down that path um, with Connor, Zach, um, you know, they're probably the the two front runners in in that position. But um, yeah, we'll probably sit down, have a camp, sort of talk through those things, and. And the leadership group will sort of go through that as well. And, and then the club will make the decision off the back of that. But we've got some really good candidates, whether it's Ollie um, or a youngster coming in. And, um, you know, with a, with a young core group of leaders um, who have probably taken over this year, which has been great, um, to lead the club forward. So we're going to be in, a good, in good hands, whichever way we do go. So Wines, Rosie or Butters, your thoughts on that, poor fans? 0433-98-11-16. To Hawthorne. So Hawthorne's... General Manager of Football, Rob McCartney, spoke to Trade Radio as well about Marbia Chole coming to the club. Obviously, Marbia, ex-Richmond, went to the Gold Coast, didn't quite work there, kicked a lot of goals in the twos this year, Marbia Chole, but couldn't get in. Here's Rob McCartney on the Chole option. Oh, I, think he's, I think he's edging closer. I think um, you know, the, the end of the week is, is probably a, a real time. What are we, Thursday already? So... Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's edging closer. Um, yeah, we we like what we see in in Marbiol. Um, you know, he's played sixty games of of AFL footy. He spent you know season twenty twenty two at the Gold Coast playing regular AFL footy. You know, top deck goal kicking list. So he's he's proven that he can play at the level. Um, didn't get a lot of opportunity this year. So um, we see that there's definite opportunity for him to play. You know, regular AFL footy with us. If if he was to land here, so um, you know, Mitch Lewis needs needs a, a little bit of a foil for him to to play alongside. And um, you know, we've we've explored a few different options over the last couple of years, and haven't really landed on something that we think that has worked well regularly. Um, we've had a few breakout moments at different times, but yeah, we think Chole might be able to be a player that could. Definitely, um, you know, be a player who could play alongside Lewis, make Lewis a better player, but also, you know, if he lands at us, we want to make Marbiola a better player as well. Rob McCartney on that, given that Hawthorne are losing Jacob Kaczynski to Richmond. Now, will Hawthorne trade up to the number one pick? Are Hawthorne in the running to get pick one and Harley Reid? Well, here's Rob McCartney on that. Oh, I think last year we um, we definitely showed with the, with the Weddle experience that if we can get in a little higher in, in the draft at any stage, we're very open-minded to that. Um, I think you'd agree, Sarah, the, the Josh Weddle one has proven to be a, a good decision in terms yeah. of getting a little bit higher in the draft. Um, and again, you know, like if if you could turn a pick three into a pick one um, and the resources that you put around it aren't 
you know, to the to the detriment of the long term success of the group, then it'd be worth willing to have that conversation and, and yeah, we'd we'd be willing to have that with West Coast. So that's a yes? Yeah, we'd be having that conversation, yeah. There you go. So uh, number one pick on the agenda. Fremantle, um, there's been a bit talked about with the Dockers as well. So their list boss, David Walls, spoke to Trade Radio as well, asked about the latest on Sean Darcy, who is contracted for next year. Is he expecting him to re-sign with the club for a longer-term deal than that? David Walls gave us an update on Sean Darcy. Uh, I, do, I do expect him to re-sign. How soon, I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, look, all the indications, the conversations we've had, um, with both Sean, you know, his management, Scott Lucas, um, and also his family have been really, really positive. Um, so he, he's given no sign or indication or uh, changed any of his behaviours that would give us any inkling that, or, or anything to think that he may leave. So I'm confident that, yeah, Sean's in for the long haul like Brennan, but um, it's, it's a contract we're working through at the moment. David Walls on that. So your thoughts on that? one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the open line number. A couple of texts as well uh, that have come through in that I haven't got to. One, hey, Dwayne, it's amazing to hear your perspective on Norton after hearing Keynes for ages this morning. I think you see the game from a wider perspective than the volcano, and you've influenced me in your direction already. Good on you, Dwayne. Oh, cheers, Bill. But please lose that dodgy theme must return to something more befitting a great soul as yourself. Uh, thanks for that, Bill. Kane Corns might un- end up being 100% correct on this. I mean, Aaron Norton might not end up being a nine-year player and a nine-year good player with the Dogs. So he might end up being correct on a, on a number of these long-term deals. What I'm suggesting is, one, I'm more inclined to look at how much money are you committing in the salary cap for the long-term deal and what's on the agenda when it comes to what other teams are prepared to pay your guy and how much it's going to get, how much it's going to cost you to get a replacement for your guy. And again, I used the Ben Mackay example because I I think that's a pretty good example in front of us right now. So Ben Mackay right now is going to get, you know, 750-odd thousand. And given his body of work, does he deserve, you know, Stephen May, Jake Lever, Jeremy Howe, Jacob Wiedering kind of money? Or is he a rung behind those and he's more a, you know, a Noah Bolter, Connor Iden, Dan Houston. Well, he's not Callum Wilkie level because Callum Wilkie's just an All-Australian. So he's below that level, yet he's going to be getting more money than a few of those guys because other teams are after your guys. But you have to avoid, if you lose your guys, having to go out and get other guys that you're going to have to pay overs for. That's the issue there. So I appreciate your, your text, Bill, and I'll address the play on music for you. Uh, Dwayne. Collapsing at the knees is ducking the head and the AFL should rectify this immediately and make it easier for umpires. Nick Dacos was very lucky to get those free kicks on Saturday because ducking the head is not too high. Players should be encouraged to keep their feet and not be rewarded for drawing head-high contact. Andrew from Bandura. But Andrew, if you're bending down to pick the ball up, you've got a right once you've picked the ball up as the ball getter to head in any direction you like. It's up to the tackler to not tackle you high. That's the way I feel. But the trouble is with this, um, if you choose to duck, then that's your prior opportunity. But if you shrug or drop, it's not prior opportunity. For the umpires to have to delineate between what is a duck and what is a shrug or a drop of the knees, to me, is crazy. For the umpires to be able to work out what's the difference between the two in a split second 
is almost impossible. But that's what they're asking them to do. And Ray Chamberlain explained that there is a difference between ducking and shrugging and dropping at the knees earlier this year. Keep your text coming up for double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. And your calls, by the way, if you want to jump on one three hundred seven three six seven three six, as Aaron in Sky has. What can you, Aaron? Hi, Dwayne. How are you, mate? Good. That's good. I just want to have a quick chat, just on the back of the Aaron Norton uh, eight-year deal. I'm sort of a bit with Kane Corns on, on this. I hate these long-term deals that clubs give to players. I don't necessarily... I'm not from the standpoint where I think the players tend to relax and get comfortable. I mean, they, they very well could, but that's up to each individual. But I feel like what a lot of teams then find is they might have three, four, even five players who they may not have been expecting to come on, who in the next two years of the start of that player's particular deal, all of a sudden they explode, they might uh, get incredibly good, all of a sudden feel a desperately, uh, I suppose, a desperate need that that club has, and then they start commanding more money, and then you've got to try to find a way to pay them what they're worth or risk losing them. And sometimes it's a bit of a money ball thing where it's like, is the sum of the parts worth more than say, another individual. So I feel like with these long-term deals, they can get quite murky if you all of a sudden have players come through who turn out to be better than maybe what you'd projected. And that's where clubs can get into trouble trying to then have to release that money from the cap to then pay these players. Because you'd rather have three um, really, really good players at your club still in possible multiple positions than one outstanding player commanding... Um, big, big dollars over a long period of time. And secondly, just quickly, Dwayne, if I could, um, can we please next year command the players to stop, to start playing to the whistle rather than constantly appealing in play for free kicks that the umpires haven't given? It does my head in. Appreciate your call, Aaron. Um, there are a couple of good points there. Just on, yeah, at least the Bulldogs kind of own Aaron Norton now, so they could still trade him down the track. They could t- still do that, and the trade rules might change. The trade rules might mean if you've got a long-term deal, we don't know what the mid-season trade period is going to look like, but they might. No, they would know more than us right now, clubs. So they might be thinking that, okay, if we need to trade Aaron Norton, we can actually trade him in a mid-season trade period or an end-of-season trade period if we want to, as opposed to next year, when he comes out of contract as a free agent where he can demand whatever he likes to demand from any club and other clubs might be offering him well they told us that other clubs have offered him 10 year deals and they've given him an 8 so instead of taking a 10 year deal elsewhere he's taken an 8 year deal to stay at the dogs lost in the wash time for rjsanderson.com.au rj sanderson and associates our accountants and taxation specialists take the stress out of tax Lost in the wash time, one three hundred seven three six seven three six or 0433 What's been lost in the wash today? We should have got to it by now, but haven't just yet. A uh, couple of texts that have come through. Uh, long-term deals don't mean a lot these days. Look at Grundy. Uh, Kane loves to argue the irrelevant Mortimer. Um, I think he argues the relevant Kane. His argument is 100% relevant and might be 100% right. I just think it's difficult to lock down players these days without giving them a long-term deal. So... That's why you almost have to. But uh, it's going to be an argument we'll continue to have. And he's going to be right with a lot of them, I reckon, Kane. Uh, but he'll be wrong with some others. Dwayne, um, if Grundy knew Collingwood were going to win the flag this year, I wonder if he would renegotiate his contract to stay with the Pies. Interesting. Rich in Warnable. Um, yeah, who would not have got a game 
if he stayed, would it be Grundy, Gardner or Cox who didn't end up playing in that grand final is one that you will never know. Uh, Dwayne, you're missing the most important component of drawing freeze. Mitchell ran into tacklers. It's the contribution to tackle contact that needs to be looked at. That's from Ash. Ash, I agree with you 100% on that. That does need to be looked at by the AFL. While we're, oh, another one here. Agree with you, Dwayne. Ari being able to pick up the ball off the ground. And you have a right to stand up without your head being knocked off. Secondly, the high tackle on Dacos that everyone's carrying on about was not against the first tackler. It was the little cheap shot to the back of the head by the second Brisbane tackler with his left hand. It's all on tape. You can't miss it. The trouble with it, and I would have paid it, is that Zorko didn't get paid down the other end. So if you're going to pay it to one person, you have to be paying it to all of them. That's the issue with one not being paid and one being paid to Nick Dacos. What I don't want to get lost, by the way, the trade updates are for tyre power. Think safety this month. Get the five-minute tyre safety check at your local tyre power. Lost in the wash is for rjsanderson.com.au. Take the stress out of tax. Harris Andrews was on earlier today. He talked about the review, the review meeting yesterday Brisbane had. I don't want this to get lost in the wash. Here's Harris Andrews on that. Yeah, we yeah we had our um yeah like our end of season meeting sort of thing, which where we broke down the game a little bit. Um, you know, and obviously it hurts a lot. We went we weren't so close, and um, we recognise there's a lot of work to get back to that stage. But um, yeah, it was you know it was tough to watch. There was obviously a few things that we um, let ourselves down in on the day. I think you know they kicked maybe four or five goals in red time at the end of quarters, which you mm. know it's hard pressed to win games when you do that. So. Um, you know, we uh, yeah, we had a look at some footage stuff. I hadn't seen any of the game, to be honest with you, before yesterday. And, um, yeah, it's obviously really disappointing and something that I'm really confident that this group's going to use as motivation going forward. Um, we've shown over the last five years that we've had disappointments at the end of seasons. You know, we've been knocked out in straight sets a couple of times and um, we haven't let that define us. We've been able to, A, acknowledge that, you know, it's part of our journey, but B, learn from it. And, um, you know, I'm confident we've got the list there, ready to go um, to bounce back next year. Yeah, no, nah, we didn't watch it all. Um, we just watched a few different edits and moments from within each quarter. Um, so, yeah, we, we, I'm sure when we come back to the pre-season, we'll probably acknowledge some of the things we did better. But, um, you know, yesterday we just looked at some of the things we really let ourselves down. And, um, you know, I think I thought it was handled really well. We all talked about how we felt and things that we wish we could have taken back and, just acknowledge that, and um, as I said earlier, Pegs has had a really great attitude in that sense. That you know, you acknowledge how you feel and, and what happened, but um, we want to be able to put that aside. And you know, now guys can go off uh, and enjoy themselves for a little bit, and, and come back super fit and be ready to go without you know, sort of carrying any uh, anything that they wish they could have taken back. I guess. Harris Andrews with Sammy Edmund on SEN earlier today. Welcome back to Dwayne Tort. Always great to have so many of your calls and your texts come through for Dwayne Tort. We'll be back for Midday Matters tomorrow, of course. So put that number in your phone, that Werribee Kia open line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six for Werribee Kia. Werribee Kia awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. And we'll be back for more of your calls for Midday Matters tomorrow. The 2023 AFL Combine kicks off tomorrow with the first of the events held from tomorrow until Sunday here in Melbourne at Margaret Court Arena and the MCG. There'll be similar combines held in South Australia and Western Australia across the coming weeks. So a lot of those in control are getting themselves ready for essentially their grand final period coming up. One of those is Tarkin Lockyer, AFL Academy coach, and he joins us thanks to OMF, Australian owned and designed the OMF Big, big spring sale is on now with up to 60% off selected mattresses. Uh, Tarkin, welcome to you. Great to have you on. Uh, thanks for having me, Dwayne. 
I've got to ask you the Collingwood question first. Uh, you're a 200-plus gamer for Collingwood. You must have taken great joy in Saturday's win. Oh, it was amazing. I was there. Uh, I was there. I was fortunate enough to to take two of my kids along with me as well, and um, to see the to see the game, to see the spectacle. Like it was an amazing game, a great contest. Um, yeah, and then obviously as a past player to watch Collingwood get over the line, to share that moment with my with my family, my kids, and to see so much joy for. A lot of the people that I've had an, had an association with for a long time was uh, was very special. So yeah, it was just just a great day all around. Did you get amongst it that night with the players, or are you sort of a bit <laughs> removed? You're not sort of in it. How did you go? What, what did you decide to do there? No, I decided to give it a, a bit of a wide berth. Let the let the club celebrate their thing. We actually had a uh, a futures game in the morning at the MCG for next year's draft crop as an exhibition game, and there was still a few players that were at the hotel and. Had to stay overnight, so I chaperoned those guys and took it pretty quiet. So let's talk about the futures. Draft Combine gets underway tomorrow. Give us a bit of a rundown as to what's happening across the days, if you can, firstly, please. Yeah, so over the next couple of days, so the players will all start to arrive in tomorrow morning. They've got a big day of uh, of interviews with the clubs over Friday and Saturday, the main two days that they, they have the, uh, the club interviews. Uh, tomorrow afternoon, they'll do the 2K time trial, which I'm sure all the players are incredibly nervous about. Um, and then also on uh, on Saturday they'll have a bit of medical screening where the uh, the club doctors and physios can um, assess the players medically. Uh, and then Sunday's the day for the majority of the of the physical testing, the sprints, the jumping, the the agility, all of that sort of stuff. So for the players it's a it's a huge couple of days. For the industry it's obviously big as well with so many people coming in. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be fun. So you know we've seen throughout the years a lot of the players. Um, show their wares out on the out on the ground, and we've seen a lot of their footy stuff. Uh, this is an opportunity for the clubs to assess them um, in an interview sense um, and and have a chat to the players, but then also physically get to see where they're at with some of the some of the testing. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about Harley Reid and and what he's going to bring to the table if you do get him as a prop prospective pick one. You know, Zane Dersma, Dan Curtin. There's a lot of guns in this draft, but I presume it's the guys that are you know in that forty to seventy range that if they get a good draft combine under their belt then they'll get drafted how much does it does it matter do you think the combine does it matter quite a bit oh look i think i think you're right when you talk about you know the top end probably the top end of the of the draft are are fairly certain on um that they'll get they'll get taken they'll be pretty confident that their name will get called out it's probably more you know those players that are a little bit less certain about what their future looks like it's the opportunity for them to really show their physical prowess so we've seen it out on the game. You know, you can see their traits, their running, their jumping, uh, the way they use the footy. This is an opportunity for, for the clubs to sort of evaluate them and, and see uh, where, where they rank. So someone that might put in, you know, a really quick 20-metre sprint or have a really, a really strong vertical, it might just elevate them just that, that slight, slight bit in front of others or just sort of bring it back to front of mind that, oh, this, this person's got that, uh, those physical traits that might actually lend themselves really well to the next level. And that might be something that the clubs find really attractive. Yeah, so there's a number of these guys who will put their name on the table. Who, who do you think? What's your top ranking, I suppose, in your mind as to the way it will unfold? Are you of the belief that it's Harley Reid first and Daylight second, or do you think there's three or four guys in this draft that if you got them pick one, you'd be just as happy with any of them? Yeah, look, I, that's a good question, um, and trying to crystal ball on that pretty difficult. Obviously, yeah, the amount of media that Harley's had to had to deal with this year and the speculation around him, he's He's had an outstanding uh, junior career. He's, we saw him last year as a bottom major, all Australian, uh, through the national chance and some of the stuff that he did through the through the NAB League now Coates League. Uh, he's he's backed that up this year and also done at VFL level as well at times. So he's 
he's put a really strong case together to to be that number one pick. You've also got uh, you also got Jed Walter from Queensland, who's a really athletic, powerful key forward who's done some really good stuff with the Allies and the National Champs this year. He's a um, he's a Gold Coast Academy selection, so you know if he's uh, if he's scored out pretty early, Gold Coast would have to match that bid and uh, and whatever. And then Zane Dersma was the other one that you spoke about, uh, incredibly talented, um, medium-sized forward that can also go through the midfield from Gippsland. Um, great talent. Um, uses the ball really well. And the other one I reckon who's probably in the conversation potentially could be Dan Curtin from WA. Um, has played key position um, back, key position forward, really powerful. But he's also gone through the midfield at Colts level throughout the year and, and a little bit for WA in the chance and was able to impact the game really well. So there are a few. There's not, not necessarily one absolute standard, although Harley's, Harley's done some, some great things. Um, it'll just be really interesting on draft line. And as, as we know, we saw it last year with with Aaron Cadman and, and GWS, just because mm. West Coast hold the number one pick at the moment doesn't necessarily mean that after the trade period they're going to um, going to hold that pick. So can't wait like everyone else, Dwayne, over the next couple of weeks just to see where it all unfolds. So Aaron Cadman didn't... He had a few difficulties year one as a key forward and a lot of bigger guys do have that problem. Do you see Jed Walter as maybe being able to have a better first year than him or is he kind of in the same boat in terms of how good they are at this point of his career like Aaron Cadman was this time last year? I think it's I think it's like every player, the the gap between say the talent pathway or underage football and the AFL is uh, it, it's a big gap. We we all know that, and um, we've seen some of the some of the players. You see, you know, Sheasel and Ashcroft and others this year that have come into the competition had some significant impact. Um, it's hard to forecast, and particularly for those key forwards or key backs, uh, it is a very combative you know combative style of football. Uh, there's not too many times you get caught in one on ones in AFL football these days. So there there will be that. Um, that period of, of growth where you come in and, and you've got to find your feet at AFL level, uh, but certainly yeah, Jed's had a Jed's had a great um, a great lead in. He's done done some amazing things. Some of his contest work and some of his uh, some of his effort stuff has been fantastic for the Allies and for, for the Gold Coast Academy this year. So he's given himself every opportunity. The, the one thing that we know about all our players is they're not finished products. They'll come into the AFL system and they'll be coached a little bit differently, and they'll have to learn game plans and structures and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but we feel like these guys are pretty well prepared to give themselves the best opportunity. Is Dan Curtin a purely a, going to be a key defender, do you think, or do you think there'll be a time when he gets experimented with forward? Has he played much as a forward in junior footy? Yeah, he played He played a, a fair bit for Claremont, um, particularly early this year as a key forward, um, and then more through the championships, through his AFL Academy experience, and later, later in the year um, played a bit more back with, with stints through the midfield as well. He's actually... Uh, for a guy who does play key position, he covers the ground really well. He's a he's a really good runner, um, which hopefully we get to have a look at over the next couple of days in the combine. Uh, so he's got he's got that versatility that he can sort of play in any any part of the ground, which is um, a pretty good out for him. So there is a chance that the Dustin Martin scenario might happen, where you know pick three or four, if it's Dan Curtin, might end up being as good as pick one. We just don't really know what's around the corner for any of these guys. Yeah, he's spot on. And and the other thing that we know is. Um, you know, coming along with the number one pick is the is pressure, I suppose, and the, the media and the scrutiny that's associated mm-hmm. with the number one pick. Um, if that is, you know, if that does happen to be Harley, uh, he, he's done an amazing job this year. The amount of media and the amount of scrutiny that he's been under um, externally, he, he has done an amazing job at staying really level-headed, um, listening to the people around him. So he's, he's well prepared to step into AFL footy when he gets his chance. And also a leader too. Is he, he's got a really level head and he'd be able to handle the hype he's handled it so far 
Yeah, and I think we've seen that through through a lot of his media stuff, and um, his personality's really shone through this year. He's he is his own person. He's, he's unique in in the way that he goes about his footy, but he he certainly likes to keep it fun, keep it light. He's not not the most serious character, which I think is a really good thing. It's allowed him just to focus on his footy and go out and do what he do do what he does and uh, play with a lot of freedom as well. So um, he's he, to me, um, having worked with him over the last couple of years, he's certainly looks like he's enjoyed his footy, which is uh, which is why we play. How does Zane Dersma compare to Xavier? Oh, they're, they're, they're fairly different. Um, <laughs> Zane's probably more of your... Uh, at the moment, he's probably played most of his footy as a as a marking forward. He's also got the ability when the ball hits the ground to, to impact at ground level and as pinch, pinch hits through the midfield, probably a little bit more in the second half of the year, whereas Xavier's more that up and down the ground um, outside winger at the moment that really gut runs. So they are slightly different. Uh, Zane's probably a little bit taller, um, so he has, as I said, got that marking ability, but um, highly talented, talented, and I'm sure wherever he, he ends up, um, fans for that club are going to be pretty excited with what they get. And father-sons, Jordan Croft is what a likely top 20. What other father-sons will we see? Uh, other father-sons that we can see. There's also uh, Kynan Brown from the Oakley Chargers, whose father yeah. Nathan played for Melbourne. is a is a chance uh, come draft night, which will be which will be good for him. Um, and then the other thing that we have this year, um, aside from the father sons, is we've also got the um, the Northern Academies that are really strong. I mentioned Walter from from yeah. Gold Coast. That's, they've actually got three three sort of strong potential players in um, in Rogers and uh, Ethan Reid as well, who uh, who should hopefully get their name called out pretty early on draft night. So it's going to be an interesting space with all those academy picks and NGAs and father sons. It's um, yeah, it's always interesting on draft night. That's for sure. Cool. Tuna Tarkin Lockyer, AFL Academy coach. So just on that then, do you think the academies are getting stronger, the Northern Academies are luring more talent from across their states towards our sport as opposed to other sports and we'll see more and more players go to those Northern states through academies? Oh, look, Dwayne, I hope, I hope that we are. Um, the one thing that we know um, with the AFL, like the AFL brand and the association with clubs, for the NGAs you know, to be able to leverage off off those, um, off the clubs, I think is is terrific. So, what we're what we are seeing is the amount of um, the amount of players, junior players in those northern regions. Um, the amount of participation is huge, which is fantastic for the game. We know that's why, you know, GWS and Gold Coast in particular, uh, the expansion clubs, to see the amount of players that are now playing community footy in those zones, it's terrific. And now that we're starting to see uh, some of the talent come through, I, I think it's really exciting for the competition, and it's just great. Great to have that pathway for those um, for those academies. And what do you? How deep do you think it'll go in terms of when the clubs stop picking? Will it be deep into the sixties? How many think do you think will go draft night? Um, oh, that's a that's a great question. I, I think uh, it's sort of hard to predict because the other thing that we know is with pre-season drafts, with SSP and mid-season drafts, we know that clubs are sort of holding over picks as well. So depending on what's still on the board, depending on what's out there and who they've sort of spoken to about those opportunities coming on the list at another time, probably dictates the, the number of picks on draft night. So hopefully we have heaps. The one thing that we mm. want in the, in the talent pathway, we want all our players to get on the list. So hopefully it's a heap of players, uh, but we'll just have to wait and see. And the UCBA, first round draftees, will get a three-year deal? Terrific, isn't it? Great set. Yeah. Well, um, it is and it isn't, I'm I sure suppose. That, I'm sure the what? clubs are happy as well. What's the pay they'll get, and what's the negotiation possibility in the th- third year of a like a Nick Dacos kind of third year where you could <laughs> you could probably pay Nick Dacos a million in year three, and he's still underpaying. 
It's uh, it's very exciting, isn't it? When you see the see players come in and and the the strength of the AFL competition and the brand and the financial situation that the industry finds itself in. Um, I tell you what, Dwayne, I wish I had been playing about ten years later than what I than what I was. Yeah, it's been a few. Although um, there's some people that I know that uh, are pretty happy they didn't play in the social media uh, era of football, <laughs> even though the money has exploded. Dave, speaking of of your days gone by, how, how do you um how do you reconcile it now, given how close you were to being a premiership player? Oh, look, you're always um, yeah. There's always going to be that little bit in in myself that you know wishes that I had been there with a premiership medal around my neck. But you can't help but look at the guys, and particularly on the weekend to see you know, see players like Pendlebury and Sidebottom get their opportunity again so many years apart. Uh, to watch players like that get the recognition they deserve is is terrific. The the unfortunate thing I I, I did sort of sit there and feel for the Brisbane Lions players to have put up such an amazing an amazing performance and such a great year. Unfortunately, there had to be one team that wins. They were incredibly close, and as uh, as we were a couple of times. But um, oh, that's why that's why the game's so special, isn't it? You play for those moments. And it's the fact that you're working in a really exciting part of the industry still um, sort of give you the the love of the game right now as much as it's ever been. Oh, absolutely. Do you think the game's in good shape? I feel like. I feel like I'm so blessed to work with such amazing people and uh, the players, the talent coming through, they're all uh, incredibly, you know, incredibly skillful, incredibly driven. And to see, uh, to see the, the talent that's coming through in, in both the boys and the girls space over the next couple of years, it's so exciting for the competition. So uh, we love the, we love the product. We've seen throughout the year, record crowds, record numbers on TV. Um, you know, I think the game's in a really healthy position. And is the draft age right? Could Harley Reid have played senior footy this year? Uh, I think the draft age is around about right. Yeah, I, there's always going to be those those players that potentially could be could be ready to play a little bit earlier. Um, you know, but the the age is, is the age, and I think what we're seeing at the moment is we've got that we've got that balance right. We're we're entering players into the competition at a time when they're um, finishing school. They've got those commitments out of the way, um, so they're moving on to the next journey in their in their in their life. Um, yeah, I, I think the the draft age at the moment is probably about where it needs to be. Tarkin, good luck over the next few days and uh, for your grand final come draft night. No worries. Thank you very much. Tarkin Lockyer joining us. Thanks to OMF, Australian owned and designed. The OMF big, big spring sale is on now with up to 60% off selected mattresses. Draft combine getting underway tomorrow. Uh, Tarkin, AFL Academy coach, and uh, it's a big time coming up for the kids and the coaches. Tarkin also thanks to Coolabar Turf, Victoria's premier supplier of water smart instant lawn that you can lay all year round.